Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you're with us all the days of our life. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for the comfort of the Holy Spirit and your word, the wisdom. We pray that your word would be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. We pray that you would sustain us with your grace and that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit. We pray, Father God, that you reign sovereign above all things. And we give you thanks, Lord, that we're worthy to be part of your work upon the earth. Bless this word and prosper it in our hearts and let us grow and let us be strong and overcome every setback, adversity, trial, offense, hardship. Give us grace, Lord, to walk in the example of Christ and his suffering. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So, um, the last couple of days have been filled with, with feelings of, of um, filtering everything that is part of our Christian experience. And if you have been a Christian for a while, you'll see that those four words that are up there under the title of this message of faith is trial, suffering, hardship, and offense. Um, everything that is, has a negative connotation, things that are opposite from what we desire to experience as, as humans. And, um, and I was thinking even before yesterday afternoon that these are the realities of what to be expected in our day-to-day walk upon this earth. Um, for somehow or another, because we're raised in an atmosphere that's expected to uh, have a mom greet you at the hospital when you're born and see the, those pictures. And obviously, Francis Chan did not have that opportunity as he shares his mom dies giving birth to him. And then uh, his father dies sometime after of a horrendous disease. Some of us, uh, our parents have died of illnesses uh, way before we got to know them, accidents, situations that had happened. And... Um, and so that makes for a coloring of this world in, in its most darkest light. What do you expect? What is the next thing that's going to happen? He gets adopted by his aunt and uncle. They uh, murder suicide at the age of 16. So all these things are taking place. And, and I cannot say that, that I have ever even come close to any one of the uh, depth or shades of this darkness and negative scenario. So I was, I was getting prepared today to come and, and, and to share that to the church. I was, I was prepared to say, you know guys, expect your mom to have a stroke and not to be able to eat. And to, you have to do everything for her, which happened to our sister Mita in the last month, um, which is crazy and bizarre and totally unexpected. Um, expect to lose your wife of cancer when you're raising a 12-year-old daughter that happened to Josue. Um, just, just expect losing both parents in a car accident um, and being told that at the age of 16, 19 years old. Um, so I was, I was prepared to come and share that because I think that, that a lot of us are totally deceived when it comes to our entitlement um, and what we expect so that we're living a degree of Christianity and our life for God, trying to make it a country club, trying to make it, uh, what are the benefits in me serving the Lord? And, and so I was expected to come, and, and you know when you're a preacher, if the Lord usually speaks to you the night before, you're going to share a sermon. But in this particular one, four days before, I was, I was cooking this in the grill and uh, seasoning it and... And getting it ready for the people of God. Um, so yesterday we had a great day. We, <laughs> we had a great day.
We were thinking about making a day because the kids start school on Monday. And, and so we organized everything to have our last family gathering on Friday and, and go out and be at the beach. But um, because of the awakened camp and, and their performance on, on that night, we wanted to stick around. And so we decided yesterday to go to the beach. And it was a great day at the beach. Um, the water was calmer than it's ever been in Miami. You could see all the way down to the ground. And I was telling my kids, look, it looks like a pool. You could see all the way to the bottom. And uh, so Nick had to preach last night. And I said, look, call and have Oscar. Because Oscar just came back from a, a missionary trip. And uh, have him. He's on fire. And he has... Uh, that's, I, I'm not, yeah, hopefully the girls will be crying. I'm not going to cry here. <laughs> here it goes. Um, so I tell Nick, tell Oscar to preach to Living Stones tomorrow, I, I, last night, and, um, and let's just stay out here. The family is our last uh, summer day before school starts. And so it was a fascinating day in the sun. We got a good suntan and spent time with the family. But on the way back... Um, in the evening, like around uh, 4 o'clock, we get a phone call. And uh, it's my next-door neighbor, and he never calls. So I know when he calls, something happened, and it's serious. And um, so he says, look, Joaquin, and I call him back. I get the message. I call him back, and he says, look, there's smoke coming out of your attic. And uh, I call the fire department. They're on the way. And so I said, okay. And, and here's what I thought initially. Um, the night before, I was, I was charging my drill, and I had put the battery charger up on the kitchen counter. And I said, okay, faulty battery charger on a drill, sparked a fire, and probably lit a couple of cabinets, right? So there's a small fire. Uh, I've made it my custom that whenever I get bad news, I, I think people exaggerate. So I always think, no problem, nothing's happening. And so... Then I asked the kids, did you guys leave a cinnamon bun in the oven? Uh, Yvette, did you leave the iron on? And you check your bases, right, to find out, you know, what are the buttons. Everybody denied any culpability. <laughs> and so finally we get home and we, and we, we heard that uh, lightning had struck and hit the roof of our house. And uh, the attic, the insulation caught on fire. And, and so all the, the fire department... Uh, which we finally have a fireman on our team, Richard Romero. Um, and the, the chief of the fire rescue and, and these guys who call people on, they, they, they heard it was a pastor's house, so they sent like three fire stations over to the pastor's house. And so there's huge trucks, and they're like, who is this guy? And Rich, you, you have such influence. Um, they found out that it was Rich's pastor. They found out it was Rich's church. Um, and they, they were able to see the body of Christ. Uh, so I was thinking on the way back, I said, I want Javi to be there. Javi's our drummer. And uh, about, what, five years ago, six years ago? Maybe a little bit longer. A long time ago, um, Javi bought a brand new house. And he was super excited about buying his house. And so uh, him and Francis and the three or four girls... They go in there for the first night, and, and, and so we go have a, a, a party at his house, and, and pastor's cooking. So I turn on the brand new oven, and I'm cooking for everybody who's coming over to see Javi's house. And he's taking everybody through the house and showing them the rooms and all the furniture, and everything's beautiful and bright. And they go to sleep that night, and we go to sleep, and we get a phone call at like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, that the house is on fire. And he's taking the girls outside, and, and he has full black smoke. When I get on the scene, we ran over there, and he's, he's breathing smoke. Um, and, and I go, my God, I left the oven on. And it wasn't the oven. It was electrical, faulty electrical wiring in the garage. And so that gave him time to go out. But, but he got, the first day, he got his brand-new house. Uh, not to say that, that, that he hadn't gone through hardships before, uh, when his mom got murdered by, by his stepfather uh, at college. And so now his house burns down. And I said, I want Happy to be at my house watching my house burn down. <laughs> because 
when other people have gone through things, they're the best to comfort. And so I go, I'm happy to be there. And we'll watch my house burn down. And um, so when I got to the house, I'm not crying, right? No, I'm not crying. <laughs> I got to the house and I see the whole church there. And it was awesome. We, our family was, um, was laughing all the way back to the house because we didn't know what was going on. And um, we had seen our house like that before, like five years ago. Faulty plumbing. And uh, so they, the whole house got remodeled and, and whatever. So we get there and we see the damage and it's, it's pretty extensive. I think more the fire department than the fire these guys practice at the academy and never see a real fire. So when they see a real fire, they say, break windows. Um, they, they can't open a sliding glass door. That, you can't do that. You've got to get the axe and break the window because if not, uh, you didn't do nothing. You know, they're brave. They're courageous men. They've got to break something. My father-in-law was right out front with the key of the house. He goes, guys, you can want to use the key. They go, oh, no, sir. We, we're experts at breaking the house. You stand aside because we need to destroy, because we got to find this fire. Listen to me. They did more damage on the house than what the fire would have done. Notwithstanding, they, they care about life, so they're worried about the next door neighbor's house burning down. So they have to break the house to find the fire, uh, destroy the house, find the fire, and then pour all the water that they haven't poured all month because there's been no fires in Miami. So they emptied all five trucks, <laughs> and so water was everywhere. So the damage was, was horrendous. And, and again, I thought, okay, this is salvageable, but, but uh, truly, um, there were more than the damage that the fire department did, the smoke, the, the, the soot, the, the stench of hell. Um, so I, yesterday, you know, they were talking about, don't touch the clothes because it's all, you know, damaged. And I was like, it's not damaged. I'm going to go... And I went by the house at midnight last night when we finished doing all the stuff that we did, uh, getting the hotel room and whatnot. Um, I went by the house and I picked up a suit and, and a tie and a shirt. And I said, I'm going to wear this. I mean, this kid cannot be that bad. I mean, the fire was in the attic. But when I get to the hotel and I had my, my suit on a hanger and I was going to wear it, my kids start laughing. Um, and they said, Dad... <laughs> Look at your suit. And I hadn't had a, a chance to see my suit, but it was full of smoke, like cigarette color yellow stripes. And I could just see myself wearing that this morning. So um, thank God Walmart is 24 hours. And so I'm wearing the latest of the Walmart. Walmart fashion, um, 24 hours. And um, so my wife thought I could borrow some shoes, but um, I think that's a little bit too personal. And so we got some Walmart specials this morning. And it was open this morning. But in, in the midst of this whole thing, it was funny because uh, some people had sent us videos of the house while we were, we, we, we were uh, in the Keys and we were driving back as this was taking place. And um, they were sending video and somebody sent a video of three fire trucks in front of our house and, and Rainbow that was right over the scene. Um, and so my kids know the Bible thoroughly. And they said, um, Dad, the Rainbow is God promising he won't destroy us by water but not by fire. So we don't have the fire stuff yet. And, and so they were laughing at that. I want to share this verse. It was sent over to me by Maggie in Isaiah 43, uh, verse 2. Um, we can start in verse 1. Isaiah 43, verse 1. It says, but thus says the Lord, this is God speaking, who created you. And we have no doubt in that regards, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you, and I have called you by your name, and you are mine. Now, 
Let's stay at that first one first because I want to I mention something. I want to believe. And as somebody told me last night, in the midst of this loss, are, do, do we get another pastor to preach? Or you, I said, no way. No way another pastor preach a message God gave me four days ago. And this is all set in place because the Lord had been talking to me before the fire, during the fire, and after fire. And so this is the word of God for today for God's people. Uh, the fire is a little incident. It's, it's, it's a little hiccup. It's turbulence. It's par for the course. Uh, Telemundo came out there. All the TV stations were out there. And the Telemundo guy, the journalist, came up to me. And he says, sir, uh, would you like to mention... Sorry about what happened to your house. Would you like to mention something? I said, brother, this is not a fire. This is not a travesty or a tragedy. When you get married, that's going to be a fire. That's going to be a devastation when your wife figures out and tells you you're not a man. So I would have you, and I, I said, I got a book for you that's called What is a Man? And I would have you read this book to put out the fire that's coming in your life. Because that's going to be more newsworthy than what happened to my house. And the guy stood up there in his news report and said like this. He goes, uh, the gentleman that owns this house is a pastor. And he doesn't want to talk about the fire. But he gave me his book. And he holds up the book and tells everybody what is a man. And all Miami sees <laughs> the newscast. And, and again, this goes to show, and I want you to make it part of your script, that when hardship strikes your life, you make it an opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You make it an opportunity to point the people in the right direction. And that guy could not talk about the fire in my house because he's worried about the fire that's coming to his. So in this regards, there's been no doubt in this process that, that we belong to God. Everything we have, God has given us, has perfected, has restored, has sustained us. There's no doubt in our lives in that regard. The next verse talks about these situations that will come. And it talks about when you pass through the waters. And, and some people, you know, what, what floods that come into your life and saturate you and take you by storm. Tsunamis that... that, that blow us away when you pass through them I will be with you and, and that you could take to the bank whenever anybody tells you why did God allow this in your life you said look I don't understand that part yet but I know that God was with me I don't I don't understand that part but I know God's with me then through the rivers you're gonna go through them and they shall not overflow you and, and this is also experiences that I haven't gone through. I heard about a family that was watching a mudslide take their two-year-old son and wipe him out. And so what do you do when you're a parent and you see a mudslide in front of your house in Colorado, California, and you see your two-year-old just taken away? And things that, that are horrendous. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned nor shall the flame scorch you. So th these are the depth of the provisions of God for us that have decided to come to God, to surrender, to repent, and to seek God. Now, in the midst of this whole thing, there's so many things going and taking place, okay? So yesterday, when you, when you, okay, I could come up here before yesterday and share this message um, and talk about common situations that have happened that were setbacks, adversities, hardships, and all that stuff. But now we have something super fresh where so you're in the midst of it and, and people are expecting and wanting to see what does this mean? And, and there's, there's, <laughs> there's all sorts of people in the midst of these issues. Um, they're not nuances to us. We've been in the ministry now for a long time to have suffered so much. So, so much. Um, 
And I'll tell you, like I said at the beginning, much of the suffering doesn't take place to what happens to you personally, but what happens to your friends. Going into a hospital, having to see an 11 and 9-year-old little girl and little boy be told by the doctors, your mom's going to die in 15 minutes from cancer. And so they called me in to, to, to talk to this little boy and little girl. And, and what do you say and what's the conversation when Javier ran from the college having seen his mother murdered by the stepfather? He comes to my house. He didn't have a dad. His dad was in Cuba. He doesn't have brothers. He doesn't have sisters. He doesn't have family. And he shows up at your front door. And he says, my mom was a Christian. And she prayed this morning for God's protection. And what do you say? So, go to God, because God always has good word. And I say, listen, don't, don't be comforted by Satan or hell, because it'll lead you the wrong direction. Don't let the devil speak to you. Um... And Javi didn't, and he saw through his trial and suffering, and God was way, way good. And so these, these are the things that are going to happen. And I, I could have preached this lesson um, without personal loss. But how good is getting home last night and seeing evidence of what I was already going to share. What, I, what was already in my heart. So, you come and you see personal belongings lost, but you're seeing that the people that are there have had greater loss. Greater suffering. So you're like, listen, this is nothing. This is nothing. Compared, compared to what you've gone through. So, the support was amazing. I, I, you know, when we go through hardship, where we could probably see what we never see unless we go through hardship so there's something that's spectacular when sister Mirta goes through her loss she gets a stroke she's paralyzed she can't eat she can't speak She has to be attended to 24-7. She's a prayer warrior. She's a solid Christian. But the Lord allows her to see the heart of her daughter-in-law. Her daughter-in-law begins to bathe her and feed her and care for her and do things we would never have seen if God didn't allow hardship. If we don't go through situations. Every single person who's in Christ is going to suffer. Thank you, sir. It's going to suffer. And we were talking last night because my kids didn't understand. Um, maybe didn't understand. Maybe they did. But I said, you guys know when our sister Clara talks about laughing at the colors of many fish. In Spanish, me río de los peces de colores. She's talking about suffering. 
She's not being flippant or unconcerned or unaffected. She's like saying, hell or high water, I'm going to serve Christ. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to serve him. And so I was telling my kids last night that uh, this is what she was talking about. And we travel the world boasting in the goodness of God in our life. Because God has been so good. And he's always granted our heart's desires. And my kids will tell you, my wife will tell you that in Christ, nothing short of a dream is our life. But last night I was telling my kids that in that life, we're assured to go through these setbacks, to go through adversity, to have horrendous things occur, such as the likes, not of your house burning down and losing your personal belongings, but, but other things that happen. And many of us that are here can, could testify and witness to these things. And, and there's a whole bunch of things that accompany these adversities. And I told my kids, listen, regardless of what takes place, regardless of situations that, that, that show up in an instant, Yesterday morning when we took off to the beach, it, it was heaven. And on the way back, we had to go through a storm, and it was hell. And then get to the house, and the house is on fire. And, and so um, we thank God that we weren't in the house. We would have been in the house had we gone to the beach on Friday. Uh, we might. I don't know what the, the repercussions are of being inside a house when a lightning strikes. But I tell you that I wouldn't want to hear it, much less experience what, what that feels like. Uh, my sister this morning says, Joaquin, on a better note and on a happier note, your house got hit by lightning, but yesterday somebody got hit by lightning and died. And I told her, well, I, I wonder what that guy did. <laughs> and so we, we, we preach that these things are not without cause or without purpose. And, and there's all manner of a reflection that occurs in your heart and in your life. Uh, before we went to bed last night at 2 o'clock in the morning at the hotel, we, we gathered as a family and, and prayed and thanked the Lord and, and asked God to lead us through this situation. He's always been faithful in the past. I believe he's going to be faithful, you know, till his coming. And forever. And um, so the, the whole experience, and, and I was saying that, that people want to see how you react to these things. What is your disposition? Surely the guy, the journalist last night, got very surprised with regards to our focus. It wasn't on a burnt house. It was on his life that is about to catch fire. And um, he was very appreciative. And, and, and he, after, about an hour after I gave him the book is when he came on the 11 o'clock news and he went ahead and, and shared his experience about how important he, he's going to read that book and how important it is to his life. Um, so that was, that was really powerful. But in the midst of this experience which is nowhere near the losses that, that we have heard other people suffer and have gone through with other people um, We have verses in the Bible I want to share quickly, which ingrain this aspect in Philippians chapter 1, verse 7. Paul is sitting in a jail. Now, Paul was above the law with respect to being an exemplary citizen amongst the Jews. This guy was never going to do one day of jail in his lifetime because he was above 
he was just a top-notch, a law-abiding citizen, and he finds himself in jail, the last place he would have ever thought that he would be. And I want you to consider today that your life has the capacity to be at the last place you ever thought that you would be. Uh, seeing what has happened to our sister Mita has pressed hard upon the hearts of my parents saying we're the same age and something similar to this could happen. I better start treating my daughter-in-law right. Because <laughs> you never know what the next day is going to bring. Love your mother-in-law. You might have to bathe her. And so he... This was the last place on earth Paul expected to be. And he says, Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me in the grace. You guys are in this with me together. That's what he's telling the people outside. And, and yesterday we, and today even, we, we're getting a lot of that type of love and support. My house is your house. Come and stay and... And they've opened the doors and they've opened up their hearts and, and they're in it with us. They're partakers. And that's what Paul is writing. There's going to be some people in there with you and saying, I feel your hurt. I feel your loss. I feel your pain. I'm right where you're at. And that, that's a blessing. I think that's our greatest riches. I'll tell you that right now. Our family, our friends, and, and the love and support which people have shown. And make that yours too. Get rid of your bank accounts and start making some serious, godly relationships. Because your bank account is not going to wipe your butt. Start loving people. And so he continues on and says, For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Christ. He's, he's, he's saying, you know, I love these people. I love these people who love me. I'll be where they're at. When they partake of these sufferings also. God's my witness. And I pray, verse 9, that your love, this is, this is what's the important part. If we're all going through these situations and we're all going through things that, listen to you. You don't know if you want to, like, you know, uh, Job's wife curse God and die. Just, just pull, pull all your ammunition at God and say, ah, and, and just, just forget about it. Why, why do you have to keep on believing and, and where is God and, and hallelujah and praise the Lord and our God is an awesome God and all this stuff. And, and, and so he uh, says No. This is not what a Christian does in the midst of hardship. And that's what I was telling my kids last night. I said, listen, in the midst of hardship and setbacks, you guys root yourselves harder on Christ. Become more deliberate in praising and serving him. Don't let your Christianity be, Christianity be a fanfare of vanity of the moment that's blown away in, in the, the first setback you have. Grow roots that are deep and grounded. And get more serious with God. And know him. So that in the midst of these sufferings, there's, there's a relationship that is way past what can happen. There's a love affair. And he says that your love may abound still more in the knowledge and learning, all discernment. Get all your five senses. And, and trust me that, that these things, and I was talking to my sister-in-law last night. There are sufferings that are deep and depraved. But, but even, even last night what happened at home was, was a suffering of sorts. So, so consider this and weigh it and take it to heart. Um, and he says like this, don't lose fervency of your love. Make it grow still more. Verse 10, that you may approve the things that are more excellent, that you can choose thoughts that are more worthy than a sentiment of a moment or a an illness of a day or a diagnosis of, of the next six months, 
make, make the things that you're grounded are more, more excellent, your relationships more thorough than just, just the visceral, superficial stuff that we go on, that you might be sincere, that it's not an appearance, that your Christianity is not makeup you put up on Sunday, that your hallelujah is not a cliche. Every hallelujah is the highest praise to the highest God. Every hallelujah. And so don't let it be a, a momentary, joking, cl religious cliche. Let it be sincere. And that you remain. This is, this, is the, this is the test. This is what Francis Chan is talking about in that video. That you remain without offense. Without being moved away from God, away from his love, away from knowing his character. Oh, I got a raise, God loves me. I lost my job, God might not be around. Oh, it's sunny outside, God is smiling. Oh, it's raining outside, look, God is, the devil's daughter got married. That's a Cuban tradition. No. Without offense till the day that he comes. That you're not holding things. And, and you know something? There's nothing like a setback to start questioning God's goodness in your life. It's nothing like it. You start, man, what did I do? God hit me with a lightning. He must be super upset. And so I'm going, I'm going in that direction, but I'm going super, a lot deeper than that. And I'll tell you what, this shows that what God has towards me is nothing but the intensity and the entirety and the integrity of his affection and love towards me. Unmoved. Un, unshaken, unmoved, unfettered, pure passion of God towards my life. Even if a lightning should strike my head and bust it open, the love of God towards me is unquestioned. Un unquestioned, not even a single, there is no condemnation for those that are in Jesus Christ. There are no fingers pointing in the direction of anguish towards my life. I got this coming from God. Loves me, loves me, loves me. And so the issues are not from God. And so he says, make sure that your love abounds more and you could tell those things which are more excellent and that you can be sincere and without offense till he comes. Now, when he's writing this to those people who love him, he says, and I want to mention some people that might not be so affectionate towards me. Verse 12 Uh, let's go to 11. We'll just read that next verse. Sincere, without offense till his coming, being filled with fruits of righteousness, that every assault of hell, every time, and we say this a lot, every time that you're shaken and moved and, and turbulent, every time what's coming out is evidence of your relationship with God and his relationship with you and you pressing on closer and more intimate and being unwavered and un, unmoved in your devotion to him. Let this be filled with fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus, two things that glory and praise him. In the midst, we could have chosen, listen, I could have chosen, yesterday we could have chosen tears. It would have been occasion for tears. And, and I'm reminded that, that when we get to heaven, he's going to wipe away every tear. He's, he's there to address that aspect of who we are. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do to those of us who have cried unceasingly. And I know people that have cried so much, tears don't even come out of their eyeballs no more. The suffering has been so deep. Tears don't come out no more. So yesterday, there, were, there was an opportunity for tears. Listen, there was an opportunity for tantrum. There was an opportunity to, to I'm not preaching tomorrow. I'm entitled to a day off after your house burns down. No. 
No. And a million times no. What better opportunity in the midst of what God is speaking to me, which is our reality, to have your house incinerated. To talk about what we're talking about this morning. So I thank God for all things. And so here he says, you, you can fill up with fruits of righteousness. Take this as an opportunity. My chains, my, my going to jail, my being in prison, to the glory and praise of God. This, this is not normal people. That, that journalist is not going to sleep for several years, I think, after last night's report. Because it wasn't about a fire. It's about the reality of the truth that we have to show forth in this world of darkness. Verse 12, and he says like this, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Listen, I could have preached this message without my house burning down. How many say amen? amen. We've already gone through things. We could have pointed at this morning. I will point to one more thing. So, so there it is. We have some, if you want to go by my house and, and take a walk through the pits of hell, you could go through our house. And, and, and I brought, like I told you, my suit this morning. I, w- I wanted to wear a suit, but um, the stench of hell sticks in your nostrils. And you cannot take the smell of that fire off of anything that was in the midst of those flames. And, and, and some of you need to move in the direction of God. Because the Bible says that's going to be a tormenting fire of hell forever. And the stench of a fire that won't be extinguished. He says, these things that have happened to me, the deepest, most depraved and dark things, have actually turned out so that an opportunity that I could talk about Jesus, that I could talk about God, that I could talk about the kingdom, that I could show, yeah, my, my son's in prison, but guess what? That's how the gospel came in. That's how Jesus was able to come into my house when this dark day came to our family. I lost my child, but now we're in Christ. And so it's an opportunity to share the gospel to people. Verse 13, he says like this, even so that it has become more evident to the whole palace guard. Everybody in that, he was was imprisoned by Rome. So the place he was staying, everybody's like, what did this guy do? He's talking about Jesus. And so everybody was getting to know the kingdom. By Paul being in prison. I'll tell you what. Our neighbors yesterday saw the love of God. The fire department, five, three stations, five fire trucks says, we have never in the history of Dade County seen so many people care about one house. We have never seen this. Who lives there? And why do people care? And he's just blown away. So they weren't amazed at the fire. They weren't amazed at the lightning. They were amazed of the love of Christ. And to all the rest, that my chains are because of Christ. Verse 14. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bolder to speak the word without fear. How many after today are going to say, bring it on, whatever comes. I'm going to use this for God's highest praise and glory. Whatever. Go into Mercy Hospital seeing a man who has a week to live. And I say to the man, I say, listen, are you really going to die sad? And he looks at me and he's like, are you insane? I'm dying. In six days, I'm dying. I said, yeah, you could die sad or you could die singing to the Lord. Now let's shout praises to the highest God. And we started singing to the Lord, he and I, and his son who was 14. And the presence of God filled that room. And that man left with a smile on his face. He died rejoicing in the midst of the most horrendous cancer, leaving behind a 14-year-old son. That's a real story. So that's why Paul can say, in my prison, count it all joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Hell or high water. We have the living Christ abiding in us. I always love the story of my brother-in-law being diagnosed with cancer. And they call Clarita's house and they say, Omar has 
cancer and the doctors say he won't live but two more years. And Clarita's response was, hey guys, we preach the resurrection. We believe in coming back from the dead. So there's no opportunity to say, wow, bummer, Omar. No. Rejoice that you get to suffer and praise Christ in the midst of your suffering. In the midst of your darkest hour. So he says, Be, I see that people are becoming much more bold to speak the word without fear. Listen, I don't want to say this, but in the midst of whatever kidney stones, I remember kidney stones about 10 years ago, I thought I was going to die, and then four hours later, I wanted to die. <laughs> four hours, I was like, Lord, I'm going to die. But the pain was so severe, I said, Lord, kill me. I'd rather die than continue this pain. So I, that, that's suffering. And then, quoting James chapter 1, verse 2, where James, another disciple of the Lord, decides to say, count it all joy when you are going through these trials. Oh, really? Start laughing when you're trying to pass a kidney stone. You're banging your head on the walls. And you're like, really, Lord? Joy? Now? At a funeral home? Really? Rejoice seeing your loved one in a coffin? Really? Why? Verse 3. Because these sufferings, knowing the testing, and, and this is a year of faith for us in this house, and how best test the faith of a leading, fearless, courageous pastor than burning his house down in the year you're proclaiming faith? And what's to test a pastor? I don't even want to, let's not go there. What, what more can happen to challenge our standing in Christ, our, our unwavering, uh, you know, one thing, the book of Job becomes very interesting when your house burns down. Everybody's telling Job, listen, you, you better get right with God, brother. He's really upset with you. And in Job 42, God tells him, look, I'm not upset with Job. And he better pray for you or else I'm going to kill you. Because this is my testing his faith. His character in the midst of these sufferings. Knowing that the testing of our faith, there is no faith unless it's tested. There is nothing. We, we could say, hallelujah, our God is an awesome. You're, I'm a friend of God and you're, you're just going and everything's happy until... You get to dance the mambo and get to really find out where the depth of what you say and claim to have produces the character. Verse 4, produces patience, uh, a different thing. Listen, five years ago, my house was in shambles. Seeing it in shambles last night, par for the course. Uh, our pastor, Jose Rivera, got a liver transplant, and you go and tell him you get a headache and you got, you got a fever, and you got the flu, and he'll stand before you and say, really? Man, that must really be a hard and deep trial. You, you must be suffering, brother. Try to go get a transplant of a major organ. And so your trial is nothing compared to the valleys of suffering and hardship that he's walked. And so there, uh, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I really believe that as a real Christian, that we have to have loss, 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 suffering, damage, adversity, conflict, uh, challenges, um, to be able to polish what we say we have. And then in the midst of that, you, you got a bunch of dodo birds all over the place because that didn't lack yesterday. It says lacking nothing. We had a bunch of dodo birds going by my house saying... Pastor, it's a bummer. Um, you know, God must be upset with you. God, God's coming after you because what you did to us. And, and I'm sitting there saying, loving, listen to me, abounding in love and sincerity and genuineness of my heart for them uh, with regards to our zeal and, and, and our faithfulness to God. So let's go back to Philippians 1. Verse 15, he says that some are becoming bolder to speak the word without fear, without worries of things coming. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. 
There's going to be people talking about this for the next coming years. About the day the lightning struck the pastor's house. And Paul says people are talking uh, about this out of argument's sake. Some also from goodwill, good intention. Verse 16, Paul says like this. It doesn't matter what the motive is. The former preach Christ because they're seeking their own justification. Not sincerely. They're talking about things of God, not in sincerity, twisting it, supposing to add affliction to my chains, adding insult to injury. Paul's in jail because God is upset at him. Paul is in jail because the favor of God is not with him. Listen, supposing to add affliction to my chains, and then verse 17 he says, it doesn't matter but the latter out of love, the guys that are accompanying, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, knowing the purpose of God of why I'm in jail. Verse 18. But what then? Only that in every way, say with me, every way, whether in pretense, faking it, or in truth, Christ is being proclaimed. In this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. In this, I'm going to be solid in my character. In John chapter 9, verse 1, one of the disciples, one of the followers decides to tell the Lord, Lord, uh, this guy is in jail. Here it goes. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man that was blind from birth. Okay, so that now God is really upset at this guy. Verse 2. So why did this happen? Because of him? Verse 2. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Why did this happen? There must have been something. Why it happened? The suspicious minds want to know. Verse 3. He says, neither this man sinned nor his parents sinned. You don't have to see, where does, fault, where does fault lie? It's not in him, it's not in his parents, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So the, the, the purpose of God might be defined. Luke 13, chapter 1. Another occasion, the people said, there were present at the season some who told him, told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood, Pilate was a tyrant, and he killed people and mingled their blood with animal sacrifices. This is an evil god, an evil tyrant dictator. Uh, verse 2. And they asked him this question. This guy mixed the blood of these guys. And Jesus answered, said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the Galileans? That when bad things happen to you, it's because you deserve it more and you're the really brouhaha wicked of the bunch? Because they suffered such things? They were worse than you? Verse 3. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will always likewise perish. This is not about what happened to other people. This is to highlight what can happen to you. Unless you turn course and begin to make an opportunity that when things happen, setbacks, adversity, hardships, and the, the all colors and kinds and types, variety, that you sit there and say, where's my relationship with God? I could repent. I could get back on base. I could get back in the course. I could get solid in Christ. Uh, there's three, I was telling my kids, there's three times you, exp the, there's three types of people. There's the people that are going through the most horrendous trial in their life. And while we're going through a trial, it's not the most horrendous. I don't want to even come near to tasting the cup of something, of the likes of some people that have tasted here in suffering and trials and adversity. So some people are going through hardships. The people just got out of hardship. A dark day in your life came and now you saw the sun come out and now that day's behind you. You were able to come out of a trial. And then if you're not part of the first two, being in a trial or having come out of it, get ready because you're about to go into it. You're about to be the third class of people. And so in that time, we pray that your faith would not fail. That you would... Take it as an occasion to rejoice. That you 
you can perfect and polish the claims of Christ. And, and this is what the world is looking for. They're looking for the sons of God to shine in the midst of their hardships. And so there'll be people that give their opinions on, on many sorts in this regards. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Paul says, I have gone through more troubles, more labors, labors in labors more abundant, in abundant, in hardships more abundant, more often. In stripes, they would whip them above measure. In prisons, more frequently. They stoned him to death several times, and he was able to shake off the stones, the pile of rubble, and stand up and keep going to the ministry. Verse 24, in death more often. From the Jews five times, they would bring him into synagogues and give him 40 stripes minus one, 39. It says 40 would kill you. Said so they would give 39 to make sure that you suffered to the, to the ledge of suffering. The next one, verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And it doesn't mean he was smoking marijuana, right? He was stoned, pelted. And, and you can see these things in the Middle East today. I, I've never seen a stoning until about six months ago. Somebody sent me a video of what they do in the Middle East when they catch a prostitute. And, and you watch how they get these boulders and they just throw it at your head. And, and they just stone. And they think we haven't even come through that stuff. And you guys are saying, well, I think I'm not going to be a Christian no more. Guess what? We, we better press in. We better root ourselves in our character and conviction. I was telling my kids that, that the type of Christians that preceded us are those guys that were in the arenas being devoured by lions. And they would sing to their God. Uh, the story of this lawyer in Chicago, I have it here printed. Um, in the, the 1871, the great Chicago fire destroyed this man's town, the downtown investment properties. He and his family planned a vacation to Europe. While in Great Britain, he planned to see, help uh, his good friend Dwight Dale Moody. And he had supported the ministry many times. He sent his wife and his four daughters, ages 2, 7, 9, and 11. It's like Javier, four daughters. He sent his wife and daughters ahead of him as he finished up his last-minute business. And on November 22nd of 1873, another ship, after that great fire, hit the ship where his wife and four daughters were traveling on to Europe. And she cabled her husband. She says, the ship sank, and I alone am alive. The four daughters died. And it says that as he was going to Europe to meet up with his wife, the very spot where the ship had gone down and he lost his four daughters, he wrote a hymn that is called, All is Well with My Soul. That, that hymn has soothed the heart, the broken hearts of endless millions upon the earth and so I, I just pray that, that, that this opportunity would be an opportunity to continue and, and I told somebody last night this is just more brokenness if we're going to be used of God we got to be broken people and God's going to use all sorts of things to break our lives and those of you that are easily offended that you would remain without offense to the day of his coming because the devil is going to try to use anything to get you outside of a Genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter 1 Peter 1.6 says, If this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if it's necessary, you've been distressed by various, you've been grieved, saddened. I'll tell you what, and, and we're not robots. It's, it's not, you don't walk through your house seeing it incinerated and saying, oh, it's sad. It's, it's painful. It's not fun. But... We're unmoved. So the verse 7 says, so the proof, these things are so the proof, the genuineness of your faith, which is much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, glory as Christ is revealed. These things reveal the character of Christ in us. Wellington Boone called me this morning and he says, hey, how you doing? Uh, is everything all right? 
And when he writes, he says, are you all right, soldier? He calls me soldier. And I said, lightning struck, causing a little fire and destroyed the home and put us out of the house, but not out of Christ. And he says, my passage, Jesus appeared to me by. That's how he got saved with a verse I sent him. I'm there with you, soldier. You're awesome. Let's stand today and be thankful to God's mercy and grace. I was able to deliver the message that God put in my heart four days before any of this took place. And I pray that this message becomes even more serious and solid in the days of come as we are worthy to suffer like Christ suffered for us. Like Christ suffered for us. Prayer is a great thing. I was telling my kids that last night. I said, that's why we got to learn how to pray. That, that, these are the times. That's why we need to read our Bibles. This is why we have to press in to our faith in Jesus Christ. I said, I don't know how people live without this. How do people go through these things without the unceasing riches of his grace? And last night we knelt down and we prayed. I told my kids, I go, sometimes when... when because we parade, we've said this, we parade all over the world boasting in Christ and his goodness. And, his, and then how do you boast in that your house burns down? That's not a boasting opportunity. But um, we know where to run. And we know who is with us through the fire. And we have great expectation in the midst of hardship to see the glories that follow. To see another aspect of God's goodness. I was telling them an opportunity to repent too. Uh, to say, Lord, you know, what do you want us to see? Where did we miss you? Are you trying to get our attention? Will you have it? What, you know, we're willing to move in the direction that we need to move uh, to continue to authenticate this life because there's no, there's no lack in this flesh to run and to act like carnal man does. And to be engulfed with uh, a betraying spirit of taking up offense. Where Paul was saying, so that we might remain without offense. So there's no argument in our heart during these trials. God's unfair. I'll tell you one thing. My God is a righteous. He's a just. He's a faithful. He's a merciful God. There's, there's nothing lacking. If my house is burned down. Listen to me. Uh, I trust God with my life. The house is, is a lower category of that. I trust him with my health. I trust him with my marriage. I trust him with my children. So there, there is no wavering in the righteousness, the, the, the goodness of God, even in the midst of, of these things. I don't, I don't even know how to end this, end this um, sermon without asking you to just raise one hand to the heavens. And say, Lord, I understand. I understand that this life is not going to be without incident and without setbacks and hardships and sufferings and trials. And now I understand even my past sufferings because of what I've heard in the house of God today. I understand. Father, thank you, Lord, for our family. Thank you for uh, this message. Thank you for the house that you gave, that you furnished, that you prospered. And we know you continue to extend your mercies towards us and your loving kindness. We give you thanks for those who have shown to be lovers of truth and righteousness and have stood with us in thick and thin and the overwhelming times 
and in times of testings and trials, Lord. They're the, a great comfort, oh God. Thank you for love that's been poured out. Thank you for the coming days in all of our lives as we trust you with these things that don't seem normal. They're just not normal. Wash us with the blood of Jesus, Lord. Wipe away the condemnation and the advancement and opportunity of Satan to try to twist the message of your unfailing love. Strengthen us, Lord. Make us strong. Heal our broken hearts. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Take our shame, rebellion, iniquities. Thank you, God, for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for restoration of all things, Lord. Allow us to shine in the midst of dark days, Lord. Perfect our relationships, discerning what's more important, what's more excellent. Ground us. Root, rooted in Christ, Lord, that we might know your love. We bless you, praise you, and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Greet each other in the love of the Lord.